Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And it's been too long since we've talked about our friends in Poland, CD Projekt, and of course, their game development arm, CD Projekt Red, makers of the wonderful Witcher 3 and perhaps the less wonderful Cyberpunk 2077. Now, we've done a long-form playlist on everything that has happened with respect to Cyberpunk called CD Projekt, CDPR, and Cyberpunk 2077. We have a reputation to burn, primarily because of all the things that happened with the launch of this one particular game, CD Projekt, CD Projekt Red, long been fan favorites after the release of The Witcher, and the release of Cyberpunk really did harm their reputation, going right down to some of the most important stuff here that you can see in December, where Sony actually banned sales of Cyberpunk 2077 on their PlayStation Network store, the digital sales that make up a lot of the profits for these game companies nowadays in 2021. And it's still gone. It was said indefinitely then. People got on my case for saying it was indefinitely. It said that it would be back in short order, and it is still not back in June of 2021. And as of a couple of days ago, Cyberpunk's company, CD Projekt, CD Projekt Red, put out their quarter one financials, their consolidated financials, and the reporting on them got a little bit dire. Here's Reuters, Cyberpunk maker reports slump in quarterly profit amid PlayStation delisting. Gamma Sutra, CD Projekt Profits take a hit as Cyberpunk 2077 remains delisted on PlayStation. IGN, CD Projekt's quarter one 2021 net profits are down 65% in part due to fixing Cyberpunk 2077. Now, these are the kind of headlines that are both technically correct and also maybe not that accurate in actually depicting what's happening here. So because of that, I wanted to take a moment out to talk to you about financial statements, to talk about what is being reported. I'm going to go back to the Reuters statement because they say a couple of interesting things that we can actually dive into a little bit more fulsomely. So back to the Reuters article, CD Projekt did not say how many units of Cyberpunk 2077 it had sold in the quarter. The company's chief financial officer, and I'm not even going to give it a try, I am sorry, told a conference call that about 60% of first quarter product sales came from Cyberpunk sales without providing details. Analysts have said sales were likely low due to Cyberpunk's absence from the PlayStation Store and release of a major patch just in late March. And we can actually look at some of the numbers in these reports to see that they do appear to be a little bit low, certainly lower than would have been anticipated last year even in 2020 when Cyberpunk seemed to be the most exciting video game release to come that year. Now, we've also got a tweet here from Dom at Dom's Playing, a Gentleman here on Twitter who constantly goes over financial reports from video game sites. I highly recommend following him if you are interested in kind of the numbers analysis that he does. Now, he said, I'm mostly offline today for the holiday. It was Memorial Day weekend here in the States. So I'm not digging into CD Projekt numbers, but suffice it to say, no update on unit sales for Cyberpunk 2077 is the most telling part to me for a company that loves to boast about its sales output. In fact... As we tweeted out, we might have even done a video on it as part of this playlist. It was amusing to me that CD Projekt went out with all of this tumult and said, hey, we had 8 million pre-orders. We sold 13 million units in December. Isn't that something to be proud of when a lot of folks were pretty upset about the launch? It wasn't available on Sony's store. And they essentially said they would tell us more about what quarter one did later on and then didn't do so. So Reuters is right to point out 
They didn't say how many units they sold, but we can do some minor detective work when we look at the actual numbers that they put out there. The general situation, as long as we are not back on the Sony store, has not changed. One of the leading marketplaces for us is not available, and we generate most of the sales on the PC slash digital channels, a company official told the conference call. Net profit in the first quarter fell 64% to 32.5 million Zelotis, well below the 80 million Zelotis expected by analysts, impacted by depreciation of Cyberpunk 2077 development expenditures and work on fixing the game. Now, I highlighted both of those in red because they are important. They are also not terribly clear in terms of isolation as to what is just depreciation from normal development, what is new work on fixing the game, and we'll see exactly why that is when we look at the presentation that CD Projekt made to its investors. It also confirmed plans to publish free downloadable content and update both Cyberpunk and The Witcher 3 to next-generation consoles in the second half of this year, And last year, the company's shares hit an all-time high of 464.2 Zelotis in the run-up to Cyberpunk's launch, but has lost over 60% of that value at this time, really mostly as a bounce back from their big major product not being so big and major, at least after December and going through all of those pre-orders and selling those original 13 million units. So what we're looking at now with their quarter one 2021 earnings report is what happened after December, what sales look like after that all happened. And we can see they clearly aren't the barn burning video game that CD Projekt had been anticipating, that really everybody that had watched this had been anticipating. Witcher 3 is still one of the highest selling games, most popular things that make the CD Projekt engine move. And the question is, will Cyberpunk do that now and into the future? They want you to believe it will. So they put out slides like this. Our commitment to make Cyberpunk 2077 a long-term success. Release in December. We had a hot fix, a hot fix, a hot fix. 2021 comes. We had a patch. We have a hot fix, another patch, more hot fixes. And then as timelines go, this is perhaps the broadest, most not useful that we've ever seen here in virtual legality. It just says free DLCs, new gen edition coming in half to with multiple patches and updates. Okay, small additional content, maybe sometime here, then proceed to next year, multiple patches and updates. We are not even being as specific here at CD Projekt as we were with our already somewhat vague timeline that we put out at the end of last year and the start of this one. So it's a little bit vaguer, but even more interesting to me is that the next slide that they put out to their investors was the Cyberpunk 2077 stability improvement that shows crash rate for the game going down from something to something else. Now, in most ordinary states, you'd assume, okay, this crash rate's very low and it goes to something very lower. We have no idea what this represents other than it goes down over the course of the year, which you would hope would happen in almost every video game context. This appears to be trying to elide some important things that CD Projekt is presenting to its investors. Also, I'm not quite sure on the timing of these lines here, right? It certainly looks like they have instances where performance gets a little bit less stable. And it's not that unusual to see that when you change something in the code. But you also have things like Hotfix 121 happening at the peak of instability, when in all likelihood, it's probable that this actually precipitated this instability, that you see these peaks whenever one of these pops up. And it 
doesn't quite line up right, but we can't tell because the x-axis is just these big long month chains and the y-axis is nothing. It's just crash rate. And so we can't tell what it is. And in a company that's being sued by its shareholders for not being honest with its investors, for a company that's really under a lot of spotlight from gamers and media industry pundits alike, this isn't the kind of thing that you want to go out there. We talk about corporate messaging. They're clearly trying to get in front of some things. Hey, we're still working on cyberpunk. We're not throwing it in the bin. Hey, it's getting better, but we can't give you specifics on what we're doing. And we can't give you specifics on how it's getting better. That's not great messaging. And unfortunately, that appears to be what CD Projekt is left with. And I think part of the reason why you get some of these headlines that say, you know, CD Projekt is in free fall. I gave a thumbnail to this video that says, are they in the red? Meaning, are they losing money? Now we'll see, they are not losing money. In fact, things have gone okay. And we'll skip past The Witcher. Looking forward to seeing that on Next Gen. To get to their numbers and why they are potentially problematic but not the catastrophe that appears to be represented by places like Reuters and Gamasutra and IGN. So if we look at this, we've got a year-over-year comparison of quarter one in 2020, before Cyberpunk came out, and 2021. And you see, the big problem if you're CD Projekt right now is that this didn't have a significant bump. Right? We're going to talk about how it's even worse than that as we look at the rest of these numbers. But comparing 192,000, uh, and 197,000 isn't that big of a difference for what should have been a major release that happened before quarter one, 2021. This should be significantly higher if you're planning your company around major tentpole releases as CD Projekt did, Witcher 3 over to Cyberpunk 2077. And really your quarter one after the release of Cyberpunk doesn't look that different from the quarter one before the release of Cyberpunk. And that's where you get into problems. It's not that you are immediately underwater. It's not even that you're taking on water. You're still making money. Your net profitability is still a positive number, but you didn't get this bump that you thought you would get. That's why your shares go down because the market is anything is predictive of what they think is going to happen. And if that doesn't happen, then it goes down to reflect what it was. It's going to go down to reflect that cyberpunk effectively came out, made a lot of money in one month and then maybe never did anything substantial again, that your number really didn't change for expending all this money over the course of seven years. That's the story with CD Projekt. Not are they going under, not are they out of money, but did they effectively waste a decade or at least the better part of a decade making something that didn't actually increase their profitability or their bottom line? That's what we should be following as we look at this. The other major thing we should be following is what is reducing the profitability here? Well, it's in this cost of products, services, goods, and materials sold. If we look at what the cost of products and services sold is, it went from 7,000 up to 23,000 or a 208% increase year over year from 2020 to 2021. Now, if you're not an accountant and I'm not an accountant, lawyers, as I like to say here in virtual legality, know enough to be dangerous about numbers, math, and accountant stuff of all kinds, then we need a little bit of help to understand what they're actually saying here. Fortunately, we have a big fancy financial report that CD Projekt actually put out that talks about this issue. They say in that report, the cost of products and services sold by the group in quarter one, 2021, were reported at 23,657,000 uh, PLN, having increased by 15,980,000 ,000 PLN since the first quarter of 2020. Within this line item, this is what we're here for, both CD Projekt SA and GOG 
present depreciation of expenditures on development projects, mainly video games developed in the CD Projekt Red, CDPR segment. In line with the accounting policies enforced at the group, expenditures on development projects for which reliable sales volume and budget estimates can be provided, the group performs depreciation in step with the expected economic benefits, which depend directly on the number of copies sold. A lot of gobbledygook, right? But overall, what it means is they can take the cost of making a product and they can apply it in part to the sales of that product to make their taxes work, to lower their tax burden because they actually did spend all this money and that money that they spent can be applied to the money that they earn because overall you want this number to be attractive for your investors. You also don't want it to be more high than it needs to be in order to pay less in taxes to the government authorities. So what you're allowed to do with costs is that you're allowed to depreciate those costs. You're allowed to spend them over the course of a lifetime of what you think the economic life of your product is going to be. And here with Cyberpunk, we see they did just that. In all other cases, depreciation is performed using a straight line method for projects whose development costs were subject to depreciation in quarter one, 2021. The following rules apply. 40% of Cyberpunk 2077's development expenditures was recognized as costs in the release quarter, while the remaining 60% will be depreciated throughout a five-year economic use period at 3% per quarter. So the cost of actually making Cyberpunk is charged against the cost of selling Cyberpunk. So this number didn't move. That's a problem for CD Projekt. This is a normal-ish expense for making a big, expensive video game. This is what drives the net profitability number down to the 16% range or the 23% range, down from 47%, where essentially you were making money because people loved The Witcher, but you weren't making Witcher stuff. And that's always going to increase your profitability, which is your revenue versus your costs, because your costs aren't being applied to The Witcher anymore. You just made something that has that long tail. It's another reason why we see in gaming so often games as a service and all these things that are aimed at a long tail. Because if you can recoup that development expense over a long period of time, what goes up? The return on investment, the net profitability. And so in quarter one, 2020, CD Projekt was doing gangbusters because people loved them, people loved The Witcher, And they weren't spending cost in order to get this money. They were, of course, spending real cash dollars, but the plan had always been to attribute that to the sales of Cyberpunk itself, which is now what's coming home to roost and will for the next years of Cyberpunk's life, which means that'll be a depressing force on the revenues actually made by CD Projekt and a depressing force which they had anticipated would be covered by Cyberpunk sales and longevity but which remains an open question. So what we've got here is a situation with CD Projekt where they're not in the red, they're not even close, but the long-term prospects for CD Projekt very much depend on whether Cyberpunk actually continues to sell. It's never going to sell like it did in December of 2020, but can they resurrect the thing? And I think the best exit ramp for that resurrection, the best possibility for all of that is in the next generation release. That's why you see it referenced here at the top where you say, just to confirm, we've got a next gen edition coming in half too. And I strongly suspect that that would be the time when Sony would allow them back on the store, presumably to show off the PlayStation 5 and ray tracing and to explain how we're all good friends and kumbaya, especially when we can all make money. And if CD Projekt is smart about their marketing, they might even treat that as effectively a second launch. 
I was actually having a conversation with someone else the other day and I was talking about the fact that, you know, if they had just named it beta or early access or anything else that we see in either PC space or even the console space on rare occasion with things like Fortnite, I think they could have got away with all of this and said, well, we really want to get it in your hands because it's feature complete, but it's not quite done. We're going to need another year. But if you're really interested, go buy it now and we appreciate your feedback. I think that probably would have worked. Why they didn't do that is anybody's guess. Certainly Sony probably would have been an impediment to actually having that. But Sony likes its holiday money too. So it would be interesting to see the alternate universe in which CD Projekt tried that. But the real takeaway point from all of this is that this number didn't move enough in order to make Cyberpunk really make sense. This number is pretty normal, although when you actually dive into their statements, and I'm going to also link to another follow that I recommend on Twitter, Game Over 30, that talks about financials and business and law, and I'll probably have him on the channel at some point in the future that I highly recommend. He points out that if you actually go and you look at their statements, they say they're sticking with Cyberpunk, and this depreciation is the real story. Lower than usual net profitability is mainly due to continuing depreciation of Cyberpunk 2077 development expenditures, work on updating the game, and R&D activities related to future projects. Now, he combines a whole host of things here, which is what's interesting when you look at these numbers. These are combined here as well. Sure, you've got this 208% of cost of products and services sold going up to service Cyberpunk, but you also have increases in selling costs and administrative costs and things that relate broadly to refunds, right? Equity and liabilities. You had long-term provision liabilities as of December. Those appear to be netted out here, subtracted. And then you have these short-term provisions for things like the help me refund and other things that are showing these changes in your equity and liabilities that all get combined into a number about how you're servicing Cyberpunk 2077, which means the normal development, the refunds, the stuff that you're spending that you wouldn't have anticipated spending on actually fixing the thing, even on phone calls and Zoom calls and conferences with Sony to get it back on the store are all being charged in a way that combines that we can't really see what piece is normal and what piece is abnormal from a launch like this. But you do have CD Projekt saying the right things here. We intend to live up to what we promised our gamers in January. While we already see major improvements, a large part of the team continues to work on making sure that Cyberpunk provides even better entertainment to gamers. At the same time, we are rolling out initial changes related to the internal transformation of our studio. This is a long-term project, but we regard it as essential if we are to efficiently develop two large AAA games in parallel. So not only is all of this happening with Cyberpunk, not only did it not really move the needle year over year, quarter over quarter here, but they're also engaging in a transformation where you will see some of these charges, where you will see that they're very happy to get all of this cash flow from releasing Cyberpunk in December, and it might be a part of the story that they wanted to change their structure so significantly that they needed this amount of cash to do it. But when we actually go and we look at what it means for the company, it's all going to be cloudy and vague and difficult to piece apart because they're also going through a major transformational period. And I can't say that they're wrong to do so. I don't know that having a tentpole release that doesn't move the needle is any way to survive as a company. So you at least need to get more of those lottery tickets, as you might heard me describe before, where you got a AAA game, you're spending all this money. The more tickets you can buy, the better the chance of success in keeping your company afloat. And so I don't deny them the strategy of having two separate foundational teams making video games within your studio, but it does make it very hard to analyze. And it makes it so that these headlines and even the stock market and investor reaction to them don't tell the whole story. 
So I am still very interested in what's happening with CD Projekt. I'm still very interested in how Cyberpunk got released in the fashion that it did, how communications went from CD Projekt to Cyberpunk fans in December and now through the first half of 2021. But at the end of the day, they are not dead. They are not close to dead. If their numbers are any indication, they're as flush with cash as they've ever been. Whether or not you think that was properly earned, they certainly sold a lot of copies of Cyberpunk in order to get them to this place. I'm very excited to see Witcher 3 and Next Gen, and I'm very hopeful to see a Cyberpunk that realizes at least some portion of the vision that they sold to so many at many, many E3s. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoy this content, business and law, talking about video games and pop culture from a different angle, please consider supporting the channel through Patreon, Streamlabs, buying something from the store, or just subscribing, ringing the bell, upvotes, downvotes, leaving comments, telling your friends, telling YouTube, Reddit, forum posts, wherever, that we are here and having these conversations. Every single little bit helps. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions, your own.